This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Monero.com Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero safely on iOS and Android too. Monero.com Wallet is open source and you always control your own keys. And by IVPN. Resist online surveillance with IVPN, a privacy-focused audited and transparent VPN provider that accepts Monero directly. Monero.com Wallet and IVPN are trusted and verified by the Monero community. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in our YAT free speech money into your Monero.com or Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. We headed off to Porkfest 2022, the Porcupine Freedom Festival held in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Once again, we had an amazing time meeting new freedom-loving individuals and hanging out with attendees that we have met in the past. We spoke about Monero over gratuitous pour-over coffees and croissant-wrapped Oreos fresh out of the air fryer, yum, did a live Monerotopia show with Destination Freedom, James, and Butcher J, who accepts XMR's payment for delicious meats, interviewed OG Bruce Fenton, who is running for U.S. Senate, author Star O'Hara on how to survive dystopia, and was surprised on how Monero usage is growing at this event. The special edition of Monero Talk starts now. All right, Bruce Fenton, how's it going, man? Oh, he's, he's snacking over here. <laughs> how you doing? I'm great. Cheez-Its, how are you? <laughs> are you a Cheez-Its fan? Obviously, yeah. obviously, it looks like you are. Not too bad, not too bad. Good stuff. <laughs> so do you mind giving a quick like background? I, I know who you are, but uh, I don't know if any people watching my show... How, percentage that actually know of, of bruce fenton uh you're 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 an old school bitcoiner obviously but what, what's the quick elevator pitch of how you would describe yourself yeah i like bitcoiner i've been in bitcoins for for nine years now um pretty much full time before that i was a financial guy so i've got like 30 years financial experience working in in the markets and i care a lot about freedom and liberty and most recently i decided to uh, do the crazy thing and run for u.s senate representing new hampshire so that's been keeping me busy most recently. And historically, you started the Bitcoin, what was it called? The, uh, I was on the, the board of the Bitcoin Foundation. Yeah. I was on a board, board member and I was the executive director of that. Yeah. And then uh, I started the original Bitcoin Association and uh, the Satoshi Roundtable, which is an event. And a few other things. You know, I've been active in the space, really had a front row seat to watching the uh, fun and craziness unfold over the last decade. So what, what's kind of your, your take on Bitcoin then versus today? Uh, what, what are things that, you know, maybe surprised you in terms of Bitcoin's evolution? Yeah, it's been kind of mind-boggling. We all sort of hoped and thought that someday this would just be a big thing, and now it is. Now you have this whole industry. And uh, there was many of us right here at this event. We knew everybody in the industry. It was a small industry. Now it's a big industry. Nobody knows everybody in the industry, no matter how well you're connected, connected you are. Uh, it's a it's a big massive thing. You go to these big giant events. There's huge corporations. There's politicians and celebrities and other people involved. Uh, so that's been interesting to see. Some good, some bad with that. You know, um, there there was some nice aspects of it being a small little community, uh, but it's certainly part of its evolution has got to grow and it's got to become a big thing. And so now it's sort of more mainstream in some ways, which has some drawbacks, but. Yeah, that's part of the goal. It, it ultimately, hopefully, brings more freedom and more uh, personal choice. That's the name of the game at the end of the day. What do you think about it, its current nature in relationship to governments and how they want to regulate it and how they are regulating it? I mean, do you think 
Bitcoin is living up to, you know, the promise of, you know, free speech money, so to speak? So far, every day it survives is another day because the government would have stopped it if they could have. And the decentralized nature makes it really, really hard. In the United States, it's very, very hard because of our free speech laws, because ultimately uh, code is speech. You know, Bernstein versus Department of Justice says code is speech. So you can write code. Satoshi wrote down some code, words and numbers, gave it away for free. You can run that on a computer, and the and this Supreme Court says that that is speech. So it's really, really hard to attack that in the United States. Believe me, they want to try. Uh, but to that, in that respect, it's lived up to you know its its uh, promise of kind of protecting. Uh, it still has some ways to go on privacy, and it's not. I, I, I say it's very difficult. I don't say it's impossible. Uh, governments can stop it, at least in certain jurisdictions. For certain times, they can certainly hurt it. And if they really, really were motivated enough, it might be possible still to stop it. But that every day that goes by, that's harder. It was a lot easier. I, I said in 2013, I said if they knew what was up, they would they would uh, lock up everybody in this room, and they could have stopped it then. It's a lot harder now. What's your take on Monero? I love Monero. I, I'm a big fan of Fluffy. I'm a fan of Monero. I, I, I was just saying in the other tent over here that, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of, you know, fair launch, no pre-mine, uh, no fundraise. There's not many coins that do that because somebody asked about creating a new coin. I said that would be like your first, in my opinion, ground level kind of things that you would do, be as cypherpunk as possible. And Monero fits that. And then the second thing I said that would be good about a, another coin is to be... Uh, to try and be better than Bitcoin in some way, which is also a very high bar. But Monero has done that on the privacy front. So uh, it's got a great structure and a great use case. So out of, you know, almost, what, 10,000 other coins other than Bitcoin, Monero is probably one of my very favorites, for sure. Awesome. Encouraging to hear. Uh, What what do you think about, uh, I don't don't know how, how closely you follow Monero. Are you familiar with Monero's tail emission? Not really, no. Okay. I know a little Hmm. bit about it. What, what do you think of, you know, the, the soundness of Monero as money versus Bitcoin? Do you think there's a differentiating factor there? I don't know. Um, I can't answer that in a great way. I, I mean, I think Bitcoin's network effect is some advantage. Um, but about I don't. The fun, about the fungibility. That, that's a, definitely yeah, a difference. I mean, the fungibility. I mean, so Monero does have some advantages over Bitcoin. You know, uh, I, Bitcoin, I think, to... Well, the interesting thing is Bitcoin's going to have to have some of these features to, you know, be competitive long term. And uh, and if it does, then that would be good for Bitcoin. If not, then it's probably really good for Monero. Maybe Monero becomes the new Bitcoin if it doesn't. Because you do need these things eventually. In this kind of world with this kind of tyranny, you need to have privacy. Now, I actually ran for Congress in New York in oh, 2020. Uh out of a love for Monero. And basically my concern was I wasn't seeing anybody making these arguments you're making today, these free speech arguments that, you know, basically code is speech, uh, money is speech. Uh, I haven't heard those arguments really made yet on the floor of Congress with regards to crypto. You know, when crypto has been attacked, when Bitcoin has been discussed on the floor of Congress, always kind of the default answer was, don't worry, it's traceable, so we don't have to worry about money laundering or whatever, financing terrorism. Would you, be, would you look to make that argument if, if oh, elected yeah. senator? Yeah, when I was, uh, the kind of thing that I would do is exactly what I would do as a civilian, only even more so. So, for example... When the city of Plattsburgh, New York, when I was with the Bitcoin Foundation, the city of Plattsburgh, New York, said that they were going to ban Bitcoin mining and because they had a big industrial miner there. And they defined mining as three or more machines. So I wrote a letter to the mayor and I said, I'm going to come to your town. I'm wearing, I got three Raspberry Pis with me. Are you going to arrest me? 
uh, you're gonna, I'm going to violate your rule. They didn't respond. But that's the kind of thing that I would I would do because we have to push these issues. You have to say, this is speech. I could take out a megaphone and I could read off a private key and you could accept it. Are we transmitting money? You know, that is speech. And I think that if you bring it to a court, they're going to defend that. And uh, so I would absolutely do those kind of things. That's the kind of fighter that I would be down there, you know, to, to really make waves and kind of, uh, you know, hopefully break the system if you can, but at least disrupt the system. Do you think government should play any role with regards to, to cryptocurrencies? Should there be any regulation? Should there be any, you know, interaction between government and, you know, the the crypto industry per se? Or should it just be an open free market without, you know, them even being able to affect it with their with their rules? After a long, careful analysis, my answer is no. (laughs) No, we don't need them at all. They don't they don't we don't need people who pretend they're smarter than us uh, and pretend they have authority to lord over us because they live in fancy um, offices that they bought with money they stole from us. You know, we don't need them. We don't need their input. If they have good ideas, and this goes for any politician, whether it's uh, Nancy Pelosi or Anthony Fauci or anybody who has any opinions on Bitcoin, uh, go on Twitter and post your opinions. That's that's what they should do. And the government shouldn't have to pay any anything at all for that, and they shouldn't have any authority other than any other person has. Uh, with regards to Bitcoin and Monero in particular, when I talk to people, some some people are concerned about the fact that it is private, right? Obviously, yeah. you and I, we like that. We like that it's cash-like. But what would you say to those that are hesitant, hesitant about Monero because they're fearful that it could be regulated? What would your advice or opinion or, you know, any, any words of wisdom for those that don't currently want to touch Monero because of a fear of government interaction? Well, you know, at the end of the day, the old right and wrong trick uh, should matter. You know, what, what is right and wrong should matter. And it's right for people to have privacy. It's a brand new and really stupid and bad idea that government says that they should have the business of what your finances are. And that's a new thing. I'm not that old, but when I started my career in the early 90s, that wasn't a thing. You could open a brokerage account with me. When I started at my first brokerage firm, you could open a brokerage account over the phone without an ID, without your social security number, without your date of birth. You just gave us your name and address and you had to pay in a week. And, and now we've regressed completely from that. So young people in their 20s and earlier, they can't conceive of this. They think that it's part of banking, like, oh, these guys have got to know all, all our business. And it's just everybody who works in a bank who got their job in the last 30 years is like, well, yeah, this is always how it's been. And it's not. It doesn't need to be. We don't need these tyrants in our business. So uh, we need to get rid of this regulation. We need to fight it at every turn. And we they have no business knowing this stuff. And it gums up the works and it makes commerce and freedom in the economy work badly. There's drawbacks beyond just invasion of personal privacy. There's economic costs and other costs. Not to mention we have to pay for all these clowns. Our tax dollars that they steal from us is going to have people who cause all kinds of misery on our industry. You know, People who have to spend half their time dealing with lawyers or whatever because... Uh, of bad incentives and because what the government is doing. So what would your advice be to people that do want to help true crypto succeed? What 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 can people do to, you know, help this actually, you know, reach its fruition, come to fruition and, you know, reach its ultimate destiny of yeah. everybody using digital cash? What, what needs to be done? So use it, uh, use it, hold it, talk about it, tell other people about it. Um, if you, if you can vote, you know, uh, voting on it. I sound like a like I'm a candidate now, but it really is important. I mean, one of the discouraging things about being a candidate is, you know, uh, a lot of people don't vote. 
There's people everywhere. Here's a great example. I, I was joking earlier. I said there's there's 9,000 or 900 people here who are philosophically aligned and only five vote. You know, there's a lot of people who don't vote. Uh, but the other another thing you can do is, is lawsuits. If you really want to be bold, you know, bring out a lawsuit on these things. You know, take take some uh, take some, uh, you, you know, some fight to them. Uh, because these are rights that we have to stand up free free speech uh, privacy these are human rights that that we uh, y- you know that we we've got to stand up for you think we'll see some dark days in the United States with regards to to cryptos like Monero do you think there's going to be a battle there yeah I'm afraid so here Peter um, I'm afraid so I think that it's uh, it's unfortunately likely to get worse you know we have this Biden order that they that he's Put out saying he wants every agency that's something like 45 agencies to give an opinion i'm sure some of those opinions are going to be bad and i'm sure they're going to implement some of those it seems it is very difficult like i said because of free speech and other things in the u.s it's hard to stop particularly bitcoin but i think they're going to do a multi-pronged attack and so uh they're not going to let this continue without a fight you know it it's uh it's too powerful it's too much freedom and the ability for tyrants to be able to simply print money from thin air is too tempting you know it's too it, it Printing free money is—I mean—that's what you wish for if you're seven years old. I mean, that's like the ultimate thing. Like, oh, I can press a button and print money for thin air for myself and my cronies. That's not something somebody's going to give up lightly. Now, I care about these things. You care, obviously. Everybody here at Porkfest does. But in terms of the United States populace as a whole, most people really don't care or don't realize that they should care. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would tell them something about Monero, it's digital cash. They'll be like, "Well, why, why do I need that?" I have nothing to hide. I don't need some, you know, way to transact, you know, freely on the internet without being traced. How do we get over that problem? Because at the end of the day, we live in a democracy, and if and if the majority of the people don't care, uh, how do we how do we avoid them being used against us because of their, you know, uh, lack of education, so to speak? Well, people don't care until they do. And that's why some of the greatest Bitcoiners come from places like Chile and Argentina and Greece and places that have had currency collapses. Or they come from a place like the USSR, former USSR, which, which had uh, you know, privacy and human rights collapse. And uh, some of those are our, our most staunch, uh, just, just like right here at Porkfest, some of the most staunch um, proponents of liberty are people that came from oppression. So people don't care until they do. You know, there was a lot of truckers that probably never cared about sovereignty of wealth until up in Canada, until Trudeau tried to seize their money or or successfully seize their money. So unfortunately, the chaos of the world is making people care. They're looking at these things and they're they're understanding them more and they're looking at the weirdness of the world and everything that's going on. And if you if you're a thinking person and a reasonable person, you've got to be looking at it and saying, oh, boy, these are not normal times. These are not normal risks. We have to take it's seriously, we have to understand money. And you understand money by looking at the gas pump and the price of lumber. You know, this is these things happen for a reason. There's sound economic principles and there's unsound principles. And when everybody's paying 12 bucks a gallon for gas, they're going to start caring a lot more about those sound principles. And if they can be shut down because they're wearing the wrong color hat or they said the wrong thing on Twitter, uh, they're going to care a lot more about the freedom and sovereignty of their money as well. Do you envision any other catalysts coming up, anything that you can predict uh, about like central bank digital currencies? Do you think that might be a catalyst that pushes towards people, pushes people towards true digital cash? I hope they push before before that, because central bank digital currencies are so dangerous that it's like game over. Once they get that, there isn't anything left to fight because they've won everything. If they can control our money to that extent, we've lost. We have no power. We wouldn't be meeting right now. We wouldn't be able to find out. I wouldn't be able to fill up my tank. We wouldn't be able to pay for your hotel here. Porkfest doesn't exist. Nothing exists. You go be a prepper in your house and you maybe talk on ham radio or something. It's over. 
If they can, if they, they can shut off the internet for us, if they can, if they can shut off our money, you got nothing. I mean, no matter, how, there's some real tough preppers here. There's not one of them who wants to go without money. Without money is a real high bar for preppers, even the best of them, and it sucks. So if they can shut off the money, it is game over. They will, and you know they have the will and the desire to do it because you see what these tyrants are doing every day with uh, social media. It's the same kind of tyrants where they work for government or work for big tech and take their orders from government. It's a terrible, terrible power that we can't allow them to have. And they've already shown that they can't be trusted with it. But doesn't matter, even my most favorite politician in the world, I wouldn't even think to trust them with uh, CBDCs. It's too dangerous. So, so you just, you would first. be, you would be completely opposed to the, you know, the advent or the introduction of CBDCs by the government? Oh yeah, 100%. They don't need to be doing anything new. They're not, they don't even have their act together with the million things they're already failing on. It's like, you know, get your act together, stop failing so bad on every, literally everything you touch, roll it back about 99% and then you can go talk about new tech ideas and I'll still say no. Absolutely no way can we give them that kind of power. No way, ever. But even with cryptos existing alongside, if you just if if they were okay with you know a free market existing and letting people choose which money they want to use, or you're you're just assuming you just well, would never would be that way. The power. The problem is because the state is a unique animal that has the power to point a gun at you. You got to limit that power. That's what the Bill of Rights was. So 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 you you can't just say, oh hey, you can have. Uh, free market and you get tyranny coin and we got non-tyranny coin and you promise you're going to leave Bitcoin and Monero alone and you can have tyranny coin that shuts it down. Nope. Can't do it. You can't do it. Just just like you can't say you get all the guns and we don't. Or you get to, you know, lock anybody up for what, you know, whatever. Well, they already do that. They lock up people for forbidden plants and everything else. But no, they just can't. Not when they're taking our money. Now, when they're taking our money, can they can they have this kind of power? We just can't allow it at all. So I would be completely against them even existing. Free market, no free market. Because it's not a free market, remember. The, di- the unique differentiator between government is their ability to use force. So this isn't this isn't your, your, your dumb uh, high school buddy from on Facebook who's come up with an idea for a new coin. This is the this is the government, in our case, the United States government. And with that comes the full power and force and violence and destructive power of the government. And that, that should be our power to use sparingly in the way. <coughs> you ready? Let me pour you the coffee. <coughs> Excuse me. To use sparingly in the way that we want. And we, uh, we can't let them to have that power. Bruce, thank you so much. Where can people learn more about you, po- possibly donate to your, to your campaign with crypto? Thanks so much. It's BruceFenton.com. Uh, that's also my Twitter handle and uh, most of my social media. And that's my website, so pretty easy to reach me. I'm pretty accessible, especially for New Hampshire people. Easy to meet in person and uh, you know, easy to reach on social media. Awesome, man. Appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks very much. Cheers. Okay. Star, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? How's your pork fest going? Oh, amazing! Amazing is this is my second year. Yeah, me too. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, you're not you're not an OG. I'm sort of an OG because my first year was 2010, and this oh. is my second year, so it's been a while. Oh wow! So you're like a super OG. Okay, yeah. No, I'm also only two years, but it was this year and last year, so totally different different thing. So how is it in 2010? You said was that like the first year or? No. Sort of before that. It's almost here 20 years, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure how old, how long Porkfest is going on, but when I came in 2010, it was a lot smaller. 
Um, for instance, now we have Agra Valley, which goes back uh, like four rows through the campground um, where everybody's vending food and all kinds of um, things that you can buy, right? Well, in the year that I came, it was the first year of Agora Alley, which is one row, and there were maybe like 20 vendors, and I was one of those vendors. I sold Thai tea. And, uh, Please tell me you sold it for Bitcoin. I did accept <laughs> some Bitcoin and silver. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. But um, it was a lot smaller. And now even you don't even have to be in Agra Valley to find vendors. You can go all the way to the back of the campground or up to the tent sites, and there'll be people up there selling kombucha and slinging who knows what. You know? So what was Bitcoin like already being discussed back then, like in that, that pork fest back in 20, 2010, you said? Yeah, it was at the very beginning uh, of it, you know, coming into our awareness, I think, yeah. So this book caught my eye. I was just walking by and I'm looking and then somebody like whispered to me like the, the author's right there. Uh, sounds, you know, very interesting. Like how to survive dystopia, I'd say by Monero. Like so this, this is why this is why it really caught my attention. Um, so what is this book about? How to survive dystopia with your humanity intact is basically it's a it's a guidebook for how to approach uh, the what I refer to as the dystopian forces that are kind of culminating in our reality right now. I'm a student of dystopian fiction and I write dystopian fiction. And so when the pandemic started, I'm using quote I'm using air quotes. When the pandemic started, um, the pandemic possibly. Yes. I, it took me about two weeks because I've read and watched so much dystopia. Uh, to be like, oh wait, I know the plot. I know, I know how this goes, right? So um, in the beginning of it, it almost seemed like there was a way, maybe if we tried hard enough, us dissenters, that we could put a stop to it or convince people that this was the wrong way to go or whatever. But I came to the realization months in or maybe a year, a year and some change in that that wasn't going to happen. This is one of those things that we have to go through to get to the other side, right? So I wanted to write, I'm a writer, and I wanted to write a book that would help people um, who are in my camp of dissenters, whether you like fully, you know, whether you're like fully on board with this is wrong or you just have a little inkling that this, something's not right here, um, to help people figure out like what this is, be objective about it, and how do we uh, realign how do we use this for realignment you know so what's your most general advice to avoiding or surviving dystopia um, and not not really avoiding right because I think you're basically saying dystopia is inevitable this is how you might want to try to survive it <laughs> this is happening uh, it does us no good it does not serve us in any way to pretend it's not um, so my best advice and what I, what the book is really about is uh, going back to fic my study of fiction. You start on the hero's journey. Um, every story, every hero has to achieve some inner growth in order to get what they want by the end of the story. If they achieve the inner growth, they get what they want. If they don't achieve the inner growth, they don't get what they want and they fail. That's why Winston Smith at the end of 1984 loves big brother he failed his hero's journey he doesn't get what he wants which is freedom um so we don't want to be winston smith 
and um, even though that a lot of us might feel like, oh, well, I already understand freedom. I don't, you know, I'm already there. Um, I would just advise you to not think of yourself as already there or already done because once you're done, you might as well peace out. <laughs> you're not done yet. Um, Basically, you're saying people need to be vigilant. Yeah. Well, vigilant and uh, I would say aware. So it happens on an individual level and it happens on a collective level. The more uh, you develop integrity with your principles and virtues, the more... Uh, that kind of shines out like a beacon to other people. And so uh, I advise people to develop those virtues and be consistent with it, develop that integrity, take the hero's journey of inner growth. And by doing that, not only are you helping yourself withstand and outlast dystopia, but you're developing the qualities that we are going to need to rebuild once the dystopia ends. And we're hastening the end of dystopia. And the other thing I would advise is have a survival garden, think about raising small meat animals, and try to get your community solidified around you because we're going to need each other. Awesome, amazing. How about other more you know, advanced technical tools like Monero, encrypted messengers? I mean, do you, do you have advice in those areas? Um, I do have a very short section in the book about, um, about cryptocurrency. Uh, because I wanted to cover what a dystopian economy looks like and ways around it, right? And um, one of the features of a dystopian economy that I think is uh, pretty pretty clearly coming our way is we're going to have central bank digital currencies, which will surveil um, all of your transactions and everything you do. And the only way it works is if it knows everything about everything, right? So every person, every um, item down to a, you know, a leaf of lettuce or a piece of cut of fish or cut of meat is a data point in this uh, catalog, in this blockchain. Um, and we don't want to go there. You know, nobody, nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to go to the point where um, the, the government knows everything you spend your money on and everything that you do and your location at all times and it's all connected to your social credit score and all this kind of stuff so i'm very interested in cryptocurrencies like monero for the for the real dystopian noob those who kind of which i think on our channel i don't think people think this it's far-fetched that there's you know an impending dystopia if it hasn't already arrived but for those who are maybe a little more reluctant to swallow that pill, uh, what would you say to convince them or enlighten them as to why something like privacy is important, why they should care? You know, there's that meme, I don't need privacy if I, you know, I don't have anything to hide. Mm -hmm. Why would I need to hide my transactions? Mm -hmm. Real base level, why is that something that's obviously, you know, very important? Um, I would say that the human capacity to strive towards improvement and creating new things and stuff like that requires privacy. You have to go in and incubate your ideas. You have to, you have to, um, there's no, if 
You need a safe space yes, to you need a safe explore. Space. Yeah. When it comes down to it, that's what privacy, that's, that's the reason why we need privacy. And, um, you know, there's other things too, like, well, if, if the government knows what I'm doing at all times, or if that guy knows what I'm doing at all times, then they could just, you know, um, misinterpret what I'm doing and punish me for it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of reasons why you'd want privacy, but I think at the core, it's that in order to achieve growth and improvement and innovation, we need it. We need it as human beings. How dark do you think it could get on the dystopian side? It could get very, very dark. Um, there's possible trends such as uh, plummeting birth rate that I'm concerned about. That you know, a lot of people, Malthusians, and people who believe in overpopulation, will be like, "Oh no, that's great! We should have a plummeting birth rate, and then uh, our world will be less overpopulated, and we'll all be happy." You know, whatever. But I don't agree with that. I think that a plummeting birth rate is going to be a very big crisis for a lot of people, you know. Um, and another thing is uh, the shortages that uh, hyperinflation is a real possibility. Food shortages are already occurring in many areas of the world. They have instituted rationing in several European countries. and. Um, and it's it could get bad. Like starvation is and widespread malnutrition are very real possibilities. I mean, I personally really do see Monero as a potential solution, something that could like save us in that respect, because it's has the potential of being this utility that can't be corrupted by tyranny. That's what I see as kind of the core value proposition of cryptocurrency. And I think Monero does that the best. Do you agree with that? Is that your viewpoint of crypto? Uh, what's your take on crypto as a technology? Do you think it could potentially win, you know, and, and prevent the, you know, this dystopia we're talking about? Or do you have a, a different viewpoint on that? I think it can make tremendous strides. And I think everybody all individuals are going to have to come to the point where they recognize what is going on and if they recognize what is going on sooner that's better and then they might you know go over to cryptocurrencies um, like Monero that provide more privacy and and um, and are antithetical to totalitarianism but ultimately um, I think that I think that it has to it, it's going to be a slow evolution. There's too many ways in which the in which people have to develop the courage. People have to have the courage to use these technologies. And if there's constantly a threat hanging over your head that like your all your wealth is going to be stolen or you, or you won't be able to access it because of controls on the internet or whatever or um, the government threatens you with all kinds of fines and things if you do that a lot of people are gonna have to develop the courage to go ahead and do it anyway and I don't see uh, many people getting there until they reach the crisis point of suffering so, no, I don't think it's going to allay 
the darkness of the dystopia. I think we're going to have to reach the darkness of the dystopia before people catch on and develop the courage to, to take the, you know, take advantage of the, those opportunities. Wow. Thank you so much. Great conversation. I could, I could talk for another hour or so, but uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at this. Anything else you want, you want to mention with regards to crypto, Monero, dystopian general, just any, any comments? Um, I, I just encourage everybody to uh, embark on the hero's journey and just uh, whatever that means for you, take the first step and um, go check out my book, How to Survive Dystopia with Your Humanity Intact. And also you can subscribe to my Substack newsletter at starohara.substack.com. That's star with two R's. Can people buy your book for Monero with Monero? It just came out last week, so I have not uh, developed that policy. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I have not. Uh, I have not gotten the crypto side of uh, of my book availability on board yet. But eventually, I hope to have it available for. How much is how much you selling the book for? The book will be um, thirteen ninety nine on thirteen ninety nine for a physical copy on Amazon. It'll be available next week, and it's uh, six dollars or five ninety nine for the ebook. Can I buy it off of you now with Monero? I'll, I'll get you get a wallet on your on your phone. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, let's do it. All right, thank you so much. Thank Greatly you. appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to MoneroTalk.live to subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.